Holy smokes, everyone. Holy smokes. We are back and we have us a brand new Star Trek series that we get to sink our teeth into. Uh, everyone, welcome to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me aboard this mining colony that we are apparently stuck in as prisoners, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. I can't understand you guys, but how are things going? Let's let's try this out. Let's see how it goes. You know, normally, mm. right? All you can hear is gibberish, right? Gibberish. Gibberish. I don't know, things hit different on the night shift here. <laughs> <laughs> don't they? Don't they? Yeah. That was a bad, bad attempt at gibberish. You should just edit that out. Look, man, I, I, I already cut up, cut a bunch of stuff out already. I don't know if I can cut any more. Otherwise, this is going to be like a, a two minute episode. Okay. Hey, Which that'd be a record. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a record for shortest episode. That's for dang sure. Oh, good grief. Well, yeah, we are. Um, we've had to do a little little shifting around of when we do our little recording. So if you hear some uh, some snoring, if you hear some um, I don't know sawing of logs from David or Eric, it's because we're uh, we're on the night shift now, uh, at least for right now. Uh, we're, I mean, they are they are at least I don't know. Um, anyways, how have you guys been? How's how's your week been been treating you? That good, huh? Wow, you're speechless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I was going to let David go first for once. You know, it, I, it's, it's part of the charm that we never quite know who goes first. So sometimes you get a talk over. Sometimes it's smooth. <laughs> sometimes it's silence. It's, uh, it's great. No, I, I mean, yeah, this week has um, been fairly, fairly busy uh, for me for the most part up until today when I start taking time off <laughs> looked in my you know available time off and I'm like oh well I have several weeks that I need to use before the end of the year uh, so I've just been uh, popping some days off but yeah work I, I may have talked myself into a different job so that's nice <laughs> very cool we'll, we'll see come next week how that comes but it's a higher pay grade so more Love money it. for me yay so, Yay. You didn't have to um, be reminded that you were on vacation by someone coming into your office, did you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no, <laughs> I actually I actually remembered uh, this time. And uh, yeah, well, oh, well, I did get uh, another nerd tattoo, though. Yes, you did. And um, I congratulated you in a foreign language, by the way. I don't know if you saw that's that. True. You did. I did. I okay. Did. I liked it. It's good stuff. Yeah. I've been studying. I've been. I've been doing. I've been part of like this little foreign exchange program, you know, like with um, here in Kashyyyk. Um, so I've been. I've been learning, learning, learning Wookie real good. I can speak it real good. Real good. Real good. Real well. <laughs> Even gooder. Good, gooder, goodest. Come on now. Oh, I think that's er one er of my biggest grammar. <laughs> good and well. We're, we're off to a great start. Use the word well. 
Are you one of those teachers, like, if, if somebody were to ask, hey, uh, you know, can I go to the bathroom? Well, can you? I don't know, can you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Have you, by the way, Eric, since you're, you're... Actually, actually, hold on, hold on. I don't really let students use the bathroom in my class because I, I teach first period, so you've got all of the homeroom. You shouldn't have to go to the bathroom yet. I've got fifth period, you know, right after lunch. You should have used it before you came into class. So I'm like, no, there is no bathroom. There's no bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was like, have you seen Kindergarten Cop? With yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Right? yeah. They keep asking him to go to the bathroom. He's like, there is no bathroom. <laughs> Oh, speaking of there is no bathroom, there is no spoon. There's going to be a, a uh, what, a fourth Matrix movie coming out here in just like about a month and a half, I want to say. Great. No Lawrence Fishburne, though. So. I know. Ooh. I know. I did watch the Dune movie, though, last week. So did Eric. Did either of you watch that? I did, yes. I did not. I Remember, Wait. remember, I live vicariously through you two. That's true. <laughs> Quite a uh, loud musical score. <laughs> yeah, Chase, you'll you'll appreciate the music in it. Okay. I mean, like people are people were talking and you could not hear them at all. Yeah. Wow, you know, just really loud ambience. Yeah. It was it was a good movie though. I liked it. It was very pretty. It okay. Was very pretty, right? <laughs> very pretty. I'm 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 thinking I'm gonna enjoy the director's cut extended version more than I enjoyed the theatrical version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just saw that. Yeah. 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 I, I just saw that. Um, obviously, I haven't seen, like, I haven't seen the newest Dune, uh, but I just saw on either the news or social media or both that there's going to be a part two coming out. What next year sometime? In two years. In two years. Okay. Instead of filming it as one big piece like the Lord of the Rings did. For some reason, they only filmed half of it and waiting to see, was it going to make money and did it deserve a sequel? Just film the whole thing at once. Hmm. Well, they, they, they did do, and I, I think more people are starting to say this, though, the sort of mistake of releasing on HBO, like a streaming service and in the theater. Because, I mean, I, it, I'm pretty sure it did reasonably well, but you know, a lot of folks have been saying, probably should have done better. If they would have just pushed it in the theater, just give it to the theater. Sure. I, I don't think I'd want to watch that particular movie at home, though. Huh. I mean, despite the the crazy score and everything, that's a that's a movie theater movie for me. Yeah, yeah. I um, my brother gave me his um password to log in stuff for HBO Max, but I was like, you know what? The FBI, pay no attention to this. <laughs> pay no attention, FBI. Listen to our, like, our episode, but not to what Eric is saying right now. He is doing nothing shady, nothing illegal. It's fine. It's fine. Like, you know what? I want to go see this in the theaters instead of watching it on my couch at home. With Kira? Yeah. <laughs> well, be, again, I live vicariously through you. And they don't let me out um, as much anymore. So I'm going to probably have to leverage some HBO Max at some point. Um, how much time do I need to set aside? Like, are we talking like three, four hours like a like a Jackson movie? 
two and a half. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Okay, so pretty standard movie then. Yeah. Okay. It felt like it went by pretty quick, though. At least for me, it felt pretty quick. Okay. Yeah, the last hour, the last hour, paced slower for me. I still haven't seen um, uh, Shang Chi, which I just found out that Shang Chi is going to be on Disney Plus come November twelfth. So yeah, just wait. <laughs> I'm just waiting at this point. I mean, I got like what two weeks. I, mean, I haven't seen that one or Black Widow yet either. Blackwood is okay. I, I didn't. I haven't seen Loki or Wandavision either. So I didn't watch those either yet. Wandavision's great. I loved Wandavision. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. No, oh, I didn't see that. I for, totally forgot about that one. That's a, that's a good one too. I like that. I I just I've never been um, okay. Everyone, don't hate tweet me. Hate tweet Eric for what I'm about to say. That's right. Hate tweet me. Hate tweet Eric. Okay. I'm just not. Hold on, I'm gonna get you ready for the recoil. Hold on. I'm not grab, a. F- grab, grab the handle. I am not a fan of Loki. Like the character, like I just don't get the oh, hype. The character, not the show. Yeah, like the character. I don't get the hype of like why we why do we get on board like with him? Like why are well, we just so gaga over Loki? Loki, Loki, Loki. Charismatic villains are always fan favorite. That's I just why don't. the Joker has always been a fan favorite. Yeah. Right. That's why Agent Smith, right, from The Matrix, is a popular character. Is that it? Smith? Smith, I, I yeah. Forget, I don't know. Yeah. Right? You go, we Shows how popular he is. He's a popular character, right? Because he's a charismatic villain. <laughs> They're always popular. Yeah, for the most part. Everybody likes a little sassy, too, you know? sass in there i don't know like that that's just the thing that was like keeping me from like watching loki um apparently my wife is now more of a uh comic book movie nerd than i am because she sat down and and watched it so she actually did like a full like mcu in order watch through while she was watching you know um, taking care of john while she was on maternity leave and and she's like, do you want to watch it with me? I'm like, I'll watch like the first episode and, and, and decide from there. And I'm like, I just, I was watching it and I just found myself just like getting more interested in like Wikipedia and checking my email and I don't know, anything but watching that basically. But okay. But here's the thing, bringing it back to Star Trek. I found out um, after the fact that um, Eugene uh, Cordero, who plays Rutherford, is actually in the Loki series. So now I kind of feel, yeah, now I feel kind of obligated to go back and watch it because Rutherford. Does he have like a small bit role or is he no. like a, one of the major characters? He's not a major, but he's like one of the like recurring like supporting characters throughout the, the series from what I understand. So, yeah. There we go. He's there. He is there. But anyway, well, Dave, you'll have to, to you know, if you don't want to let everyone else know, at least let me know if uh, you talked yourself into a new gig. Come next week. So, 
Um, but while but while but while you're uh, while you're on vacation, you're gonna go like catch some fish with your bare hands and you know and eat have some like fresh tuna or something. I don't know. What are you gonna do? You gonna go be that all fresh manly? Ohio tuna. That's right. That fresh Ohio tuna. <laughs> Um, well, <laughs> I did a lot of running around today, but um, yeah, I, I, I will be doing some camping this weekend, so that'll that'll be something. Very good, very good. Cool, man. Well, yeah. By the time y'all y'all hear this, I'll have gone on a very quick road trip and um, uh, take care of like some stuff with um, some like final stuff with. Um, mom's stuff um got to go out of state to take care of it and uh while i'm on my road trip i plan on listening to the uh, star trek coda book um ashes of tomorrow the second book uh to fill my time so unless um i get bored um that's i I plan on doing and uh, maybe listening to podcasts or other audiobooks or uh you know there's a there's a show that i've been I've kind of been going down the rabbit trail with on uh, YouTube, and I think they have a podcast too. It's um, Defunct Land. Have you ever heard of Defunct Land? Just out of curiosity. No. <laughs> that was like in unison. I loved it. <laughs> so apparently, it's this YouTuber that um, they they do like history of like uh, like parks and defunct rides, defunct attractions and stuff like that. And it's, it's really interesting uh, just like hearing some of the stuff and I'm like, ooh, I remember that from like Universal Studios or ooh, I remember that from Walt Disney World or whatever. And it, it's, it's really cool um, like hearing a lot of the behind the scenes, like the history, the, the rise and fall of whatever attraction, whatever roller coaster it might have been. And um, I was just listening to one um it was like a two-parter on pleasure island which was this like a nightclub um scene at where was that um over at magic kingdom to try and get like more of like the young adults and just adults in general to stay on property so there was like comedy shows bars just dance clubs in general and i mean it, it was interesting and just how it eventually stopped being in operation um, by the early 2000s. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I end up occupying my time. But um, anyways, like, yeah, that fresh Ohio tuna, man. Um, if you can like pack it in ice and send it to me, um, I'll grill some and I'll eat it in your honor. I'm just saying. So thank you in advance, David, for that, for that fresh Ohio tuna. You're terrible. <laughs> terrible person, Chase. You just need to be told that more often. Thank you. Thank you. With the, oh, never mind. <clears throat> All right. Well, I think we've, we've uh, jibber jabbered enough. Um, so this is it, y'all. We're about to, we're about to dive in and talk about some, some Star Trek Prodigy, season one, episode one and two, uh, technically, Lost and Found. So Lost and Found parts one and two. And um, I've been saying this for a while. Um, on different episodes that y'all have been listening to that I've been so excited for this show. And um, I'm so ready to talk about this show. And um, 
I've I've watched this episode twice. Um, have y'all? Did y'all watch it once, twice? What'd y'all do? I, I attempted to watch it once, and then <clears throat> I realized at the time my attention span was fading because I was doing something else. And then so I, so I got about halfway through, and I was like, ah, I haven't retained any of this, so I watched it, you know, once with full attention. So we'll call it one, one and a half. One and a half for David. Go, David. Look at you, bud. I one and a I watched it. I came home from work. I made dinner, and I sat down. And I watched it. Mm. One, the ones. What was for dinner? Now, now I've got to know. You have my attention, um, Eric. Um, pork chops. Oh, come on now. Um, potatoes. And mm. Carrots. Mm. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, just an something ad- basic, right? An adult meal. Very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you. You didn't get the McChicken <laughs> with no. a with a medium fry and a Powerade. Good job, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> I said I made dinner. Hey, some people would say that is making dinner in air quotes. Going to the drive-thru. <laughs> Going to the drive-thru. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Enough of that. I had raisin canes today, so I had chicken. I had fast food chicken. Oh, it's man. Fun. I love raisin canes, man. That's where it's at. The cane sauce, that's it right there. Double cane sauce, double bread. I don't care if it's a lot of carbs. That's good stuff right there. All right. <clears throat> Y'all ready to talk about this instead of talking about what Eric had for supper? Yes. Okay, very good. All right, so um, this is your red alert. We're about to go into spoiler territory. We're going to be spoiling stuff upon spoiling stuff for uh, uh, Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2, Lost and Found. And uh, with that, y'all, this is like, this was like straight up cinematic. And before and and I just want to say like this just seemed so much like Star Trek finally did like the Star Wars Clone Wars type of treatment for the series and I'm all about it I'm all about it so um, this this series opens up on a on basically an asteroid uh, prison colony of sorts where we're introduced to um, basically the main character I mean it's an ensemble cast but our main character, um, Dal, and who has no idea who he is, basically. And no one can communicate with each other. And it's fantastic. So, um, I, I love the opening shots of this and just like seeing like the wide shots, the close up shots, the interactions um, at the beginning of this episode. Um, I know we're like maybe 30 seconds into the actual episode, but. What were y'all's initial thoughts, like, just seeing it start to unfold? Yeah, so I think we're going to get into this this idea of what you just said, the, the Star Trek doing the Star Wars treatment, the Clone Wars treatment, because, yeah, it was an interesting setup, but this entire opening scene here, which I enjoyed, totally reminded me of the opening of Rebels with, like, you know, you've got Ezra Bridger running through the streets, being chased and running away from yeah. people. And it was like, it just totally gave me that same vibes. But I think I think it was a good introduction to our character, who he was. You found out everything you needed to know about him basically within a minute of the show. You found out, you know, who 
the bad guy was, who the mysterious character was, and you got your setting, and it was a good introduction to it right away in this little teaser before we got our intro, but totally gave me Star Wars Rebels first episode vibes. Okay. Yeah, that was, um, you know, pr pretty pretty much sort of my thing as well. And uh, I'm just going to say this, Chase. I know you're really excited. I'm glad you're excited. That's nice. Um, I didn't really care for it as much. The intro? I just, no. I, it was fine for what it was, but... Um, I don't think you have to do some... I don't think you have to uh, either intentionally or unintentionally copy something else. I don't really want to watch another Rebels. I, I like Rebels just fine. I, sure. It, just, it, 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 it was really up until the end when I started thinking, oh yeah, this is Star Trek. <laughs> I just kind of want it to be more Star Trek and less Star Wars. And that's sure. coming from somebody who likes Star Wars quite a bit. Really, you do? Um, yeah, I've, I've, yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a big secret, but it, it's out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. It, it just, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think, I think it'll get better for me. I, I think I'll probably wind up liking the series quite a bit after we get going. But man, I just wasn't feeling it early on. Okay, it's fair enough. With um, the, so there's. This uh, what was it Dreadnought character that that eventually makes this appearance, and I was trying Jared to remember. Revis. Yeah, like, well, there's <laughs> there was that, but there was also, um, and I was trying to I was trying to find the name of it um, before we we um, sat down to have this conversation. I just couldn't find it. Um, David might know. Did you watch the Capaldi era of um, Doctor Who? Um, uh, not as much as the rest. I, I mean, I've seen a little bit. I think it was his first... I want to say it was his first season as the Doctor. He, um, it was the episode... I think it was The Caretaker. That sounds right. Anyways, there's this episode where these, like robotic things basically come down to um, to the school that uh, Clara teaches at and that the doctor is undercover at and it's like shooting all these like laser beams trying to like kill people like any alien any whatever from Doctor Who has ever done anyways the the design of that character just reminded me so much like I was just thinking like I feel like I'm in Doctor Who right now, just like looking at this thing. So y'all went to Grievous, I went to Doctor Who. So I mean, we're both in sci-fi, so we're good. Sci-fi, sci-fantasy, whatever. Um, but anyway, that that's what came to mind whenever I was seeing this thing. And just how foreboding and ominous um, he was and just, I don't know, like, I, don't, I mean, we're, we're only in the first, first story of this thing and I mean, I want to know more about him but I'm like, all, at the same time, like, what's the big deal about him also? Like, why is he who he is? Or created to be what he is? That sort of thing. Um, I don't know. Take it or leave it. It is what it is. 
uh, played by who was that? Uh, Jimmy Simpson. I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever heard of Jimmy Simpson. Oh yeah, Jimmy Simpson's in a lot of things. He was in um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I mean, he was in um, uh, Psych. He was in uh, House of Cards. He was, he's in Westworld. Uh, he's in a lot of things. Who was he in um, House of Cards? Do you know? Okay. He's definitely in House of Cards. He was in three episodes of 24, man. How about that? Uh-huh. He's in a lot of things. He was, he was in that Black Mirror episode. He's one of the main characters that you that Star Trek spoof one. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was lo- I'm looking at the at his filmography right now. Interesting. Okay. So we, anyway. So yeah, um we're we're moving around. We've we, we run across uh, and we meet another main character eventually. Um Zero or Prisoner Zero, just depending on the context of, of the scene. Fugitive Zero, right? Oh yeah, Prisoner Zero is this little worm thing from Doctor Who, my bad. I'm getting them confused. <laughs> Uh, that's the first episode of uh, the 11th Doctor called from the 11th Hour, by the way. So forgive me for my confusion. Um, yeah, this um, this non-corporeal thing that lives in a mech suit. It's a mech warrior, essentially. Um, just spying and disappearing and blowing crap up. Because um, why the heck not? Why not just, like, be that guy or girl or thing? Because there's no gender, right? With with the um, uh, was it Medusans, Medusans, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the classic third season of the original series, is there in truth no beauty? There we go. Featuring Diana there, who would later go on to be Doctor Catherine Pulaski, everyone's favorite doctor. Okay, so I mean, at this point, we're still like we're moving kind of slow. Um, Dreadnoks like wanting to to kill this kid, wanting to kill Dal, and um, Dal like just escapes somehow. Like there's a power there's a power surge essentially. His his um, little uh, restraint around his ankle comes loose. He runs away, and it's this this epic like car chase basically throughout the planet of him trying to hot wheels his his way into space yep, and that's what happens title card there we go yeah title card yep was any were, did y'all were y'all thinking hot wheels too please tell me you were <laughs> i mean no i was thinking like galaxy quest with the the, the chomper things right well that too yeah <laughs> Who who designed this ship? <laughs> oh, it's probably it probably sounds worse than it is. No, it's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, David, are you still um, are you like ha- has your interest grown at all from from um, 
that opening shot to um, the Hot Wheels launcher into space? No, it's it's pretty much the same. Okay, fantastic. I mean, there, there, there was also a speeder chase in the first episode of Rebels too. So, <laughs> you know, steal some stuff, go on a chase. <laughs> much later. Man, okay. <laughs> I'll um I'll text you whenever we get to the much later part. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so after this, uh, what what starts to happen, right? We start to, obviously, we're meeting more characters and trying to spring a trap, essentially, for Dal is really what what's being set up. Yeah, so we meet, we meet Gwyn, the, mm-hmm. the diviner, diviner? Diviner. Diviner. I think it was like diviner. Divin, diviner. Whoever, the guy who runs this whole mining John Noble thing, right? John yeah, Noble, John amazing, Noble. Yeah. the amazing John Noble. Obviously. Denethor. Denethor, but also you know Walter Bishop. Yep. Fringe. Fringe. Yep. Anyway, so he runs this thing, and we meet Gwyn, his daughter, who basically like runs the thing for her, and totally got like she came out in that scene, and she's got the robe with the hood totally looking like some sort of Jedi Sith thing here. Right? (laughs) And then, I don't know, we're we have a Kazon. We haven't seen Kazon in a long time. I know. There's a Kazon. I know. So, I want to, so what'd you like more? Okay, like Voyager's your your love, dude. Okay, like that was, that's, that's your Star Trek. Okay. So what would you like more, the Kazon from Voyager or the, or this Kazon character design from tonight's episode? Well, this Kazon character was here for like a minute, and it was fine. The Kazon in Voyager were there for more than a minute. Um, <laughs> the Kazon never looked menacing to me because I could never take them seriously. Because of their hair? With that, with that. Yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. they don't look serious, and like oh. and like Maj Kulla was totally. They were setting him up to be like the Gold Ducat of Voyager, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work because the actor is not anywhere near as charismatic as Mark Alimo. No, no. What was the point of the little cat kid? Like, well, you know, vacation. Is this supposed to be the same species as the yes. doctor from Lower Decks? Yes. I don't. I just don't see why we. I, 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 we don't need a new Wu cat. Okay. We just don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need. I don't want it. I don't need it. They put. They put bunnies in in Star Wars. I don't need bunnies. I don't need cats in Star Trek. Where are there bunnies in Star Wars? Visions. Well, there's in a comic, but the the oh, okay. the, the, the visions uh, that was like that. some of them are okay. Not all of them were up to up, but there was one with a bunny. Just I don't need animals because okay? cats are cute and cuddly, and you don't want to send them to the labor mines. You just want Eric, to hug them. Uh, Eric, I'm highly allergic to cats, so cats can just <laughs> kick sand. Okay. I mean, they That's do every. <laughs> they do every time. <laughs> uh, I, 
just you know it's it's so random and i was i was happy that may hopefully we'll never have to see little cat boy or cat girl again they're just like yeah you could have been anything and then and then you had to purr to it but that let me speak your little purr language but that's that's the thing that I guess and I have more questions for other characters that we have yet to be introduced. Well, we've kind of been introduced to at this stage in the episode, but we're we're in the Delta Quadrant. Like that's where we're at. We're in the Delta Quadrant, and I don't know why there's a like occasion. Like Arcations, uh, uh, local to the Delta Quadrant, the fringes of like the Delta and some other quadrant, are they, um, or, or, or what? Like, were they abducted and brought to the Delta Quadrant? Same thing with like um, our our Tellerite friend, right? We we kind of had like a passing a passing thing with him earlier on, like on the little Hot Wheels car chase, but. Then we meet him. Like we we learn more about him much, a little bit later on. Like Tellarites aren't aren't local to the Delta Quadrant. So how did a Tellarite end up end up over here? So questions. The more you know. Yeah, I, I I was asking myself this question this whole episode. I was like, is this in the Delta Quadrant? Is this in the Alpha Quadrant? Like where are we because of? I was like, this is the same species as Cat Doctor on Lower Decks, and this is a Tellarite. Like, where are we? Yeah. And mm-hmm. they kept, and and then we meet when we meet the divin the diviner, right? He's like, I don't want the spark of the Federation. Like, I don't want the spark of the rebellion. Isn't that? I think like that's like the first the name of the first episode of Rebels, right? Spark of the rebel. I like. He's like, I don't want the spark of the Federation. It's like if they're in the Delta Quadrant, the only knowledge they would have of the Federation is from Voyager, right? So, like, why would anybody be worried about the spark of the Federation? I was very confused. Where does this take place? Sure. I know that it takes place in 2383, which is set two years after um, the start of um, Lower Decks, which is also... um, so 2383, that would be 79. five years. I thought, I thought it was 78. I, think, I thought it was like five years. Pretty sure it's 79. Uh-oh, Lieutenant Commander anyway. Info. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> but anyways, like it's, it's roughly, I want to say it's roughly five years after Voyager uh, returns to the Alpha Quadrant. So, um, gosh almighty, like, So, so twenty three seventy nine is when Nemesis takes place. So, yes, so yes, that, so Nemesis takes place in twenty three seventy nine, and by that point, Janeway is an admiral. So that means four years after Nemesis, when this takes place, there's been this. Uh, well, we already know that she's in here as like a hologram, but. That means that there's been this hologram Janeway that's been developed for some purpose in the Federation, for some p- purpose in training and education, whatever the heck it might be, for the Federation. 
And uh, so yeah, like, anyways, twenty three eighty three is is what I was reading as when this is taking place. So, so yeah, four or five years after Voyager returns. Yeah. End game. End game takes place in twenty three seventy eight. Hot dog! I knew something, y'all. Look at that. Wow, I'm proud of myself. All right, I don't. I don't want your job, though. I don't. Want, I don't want to be the info guy. I don't like to. I don't like. I don't really like to think on the fly, man. It, it's dangerous. That's why I, I leave that up to you. Okay. Um, but yeah. So, Cations. Um, this per. This was um, one scene that I wanted to camp out on. Um, not the Cation necessarily, but you know, after the Cation leaves with um, uh, Dreadnought and. Gwen is just kind of like standing there on the the precipice, the staircase, whatever, on that cliffside. I just thought that was an absolutely gorgeous shot. Like that was like one of my favorite shots. I have like two or three shots uh, from this episode that I just absolutely loved, and that was one of them. Um, I am not a big uh, gamer when it comes to uh, Destiny Two. But if you do play Destiny, uh, specifically Destiny 2, and you look at this shot, it looks so much like something that you would see in the game. And the way, and that was the other thing too, Dreadnought um, sounds a lot like um, the, like your, your, shoot, what's it called? Like your little assistant friend in, people that have played Destiny know what I'm talking about. Your little um, partner in crime, basically. Is what it sounds like. So um, I know David and I, we have um, some mutual friends that play Destiny 2 um, fairly regularly. So if they ever listen to it, they'll know what I'm talking about. But it was just a beautiful shot. It looked like it was pulled straight up out of a video game. And um, I just, I love the shot. And I just wanted to, to give that shot some kudos. Yeah, I mean, the animation is, is great all around. It, oh, yeah. It really does look, look quite good. That's certainly something it has going for it. Got something going for it. Right, David? Something. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, to uh, to summarize just now, great shot. David loved, loves the cat. Okay, moving on. Um, so, yeah, um... We have Gwen, who gets to meet with her papa, who's in a fish tank, which is kind of weird. A Bacta tank? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, guys. (laughs) Right? Yes. Yes. Anyway, yeah, we learned that this guy, he's got some mission that he's keeping from his daughter for some reason Mm -hmm. and uh, he sends her out to go find Fugitive Zero and they're going to use our main character as some kind of uh, bait essentially Mm, bait we don't know what their race is do we yeah if if you watched it with the subtitles it said like um Something like Val Vaughn Nakat, I Val think. Nakat or something like that. It said like 
speaking Vaunicot in the subtitles. When they also, well, and um, the Diviner was also saying that, you know, we're the last of our, of the Vaunicot species, I believe is what, what was said also. But, but I, I guess my question is, uh, there hasn't been any other, like, historical no. reference to that. This is, like, new for this. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this is new, yeah. Yeah, I've I've never heard of of these people with like some sweet dreads and a glowing face. I've never no. Avatar people. <laughs> Do the thing, Eric. Do the thing. No, I love Avatar. I hate it when people make fun of Avatar. I wasn't making fun of it. I'm just saying it's like I mean, just make them a little bit more blue, and you just have Avatar folks. So. Oh, Do okay. Avatar people have like? tattoos on their arm that come out and make swords <laughs> I mean maybe they should maybe that's coming in the next one I don't know let's find out in the next episode next time on Star Trek Prodigy okay alright good grief guys see maybe so anyway our night shift why, why do we have to do the night shift this, this is what happens doll. he gets taken out of prison by Gwyn and said you have one day to go find Fugitive Zero or else I'm sickening the, the the torture guy on you, General Grievous dude right? Yes. <laughs> and he's like oh, well I gotta go look for him and I gotta go like down to the lower depths of the planet and the only way I'm gonna get there is going with Rock Guy who I spilled his dinner and my escape attempt earlier. Right? So he's going down with Rock Guy. The Thing. Right? From Fantastic Four. About the little training video that they had in their, um, oh. What is that called at Cedar Point? The, uh... The the ride briefing or something? No, the, the the actual ride where it's just like a straight well, it goes up. Oh, um, the power tower? Power oh, tower. Yeah. yeah, so while they're riding power tower, you have your safety briefing, you know, buddy system safety briefing, briefing power tower drop. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah, and and they're um, and they're they're hooked up to a um, to a skip it also, right? Like their little little bungee cord looks like a little skip it type of thing. And uh, yep, they escape. They have these little bazooka things, bazooka like laser things to what mine? Is that what that is? Can I get one of those? I feel like that would make life a little easier. Just having like, I just want like a bazooka laser gun. I want, I want freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to her head. Don't tell me you don't want, like, a bazooka laser thing. Come on now. I, I don't want any type of weapon gun thing. <sighs> I'm just saying, that, like, of anything that could go awry, that probably would go awry. You, it would just take one, one like, trip and you you bisect your house. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry, honey. We're redecorating. I don't know. It would sure make things a lot more interesting to talk about in an HOA neighborhood. That's for dang sure. 
Oh, you want to remodel, do you? Say this: We are putting in a clause: no laser cannons. <laughs> no laser bazooka cannons. <laughs> but that's pretty much what happened here. I mean, yeah, literally. Yep. And she, she drops the laser cannon, and a big boulder falls down, and yeah, that's 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 okay. where we. Yeah, go ahead. So this is okay. So I need help with this because apparently, like, I'm having issues like with, like, the orientation of the room where this is taking place. So bazooka laser gun thing goes off, does a little jigsaw action on this like little cliffside something or another. Crap comes down, and uh, Rock Talk, the thing, hops over, and saves Dal's life. Okay, got it. We then basically come upon the protostar. So, was the protostar above that where that took place, or did they fall and they went down and that's where it was? I I got the impression they fell, right? Like the thing came over and like used his rockness to stop the boulder from killing them. <laughs> his rockness. Oh, yes, good sir. His rockness. Oh, I bow to you. the boulder from killing them, but in turn, it, like, pushed them through the floor, and they fell down into some cavern below. Eric. That was the impression I got. Eric, from now, henceforth... Okay, you are contractually obligated to refer to Rock Talk as his rockness. He used his rockness. I mean, what? I mean, that's what he did, or what we she did. Actually, we find out later. Which makes it even funnier. <laughs> it, it is kind of a strange continuity thing, though. I mean, because you're dealing with quite a large cavern. And you would think that, well, again, I mean, everybody's superhuman until they're not. Like, the fall of that, I mean, where did they fall from, yada, yada, yada. Well, well even, I mean, we, we kind of, I mean, I glossed over it, but even the beginning, um, there's a part where um, Dal falls, and um, he's like in, he like, he falls and like his back collapses on this, like, jagged cliffside basically, and he just gets up and starts booking it. Well, well, remember when Commander Ransom got crushed by a boulder? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> I was about to say, but that's a cartoon. <laughs> Again, you're, you're, you're totally invincible until you're not. You know, yeah, until the, the sure. need arises for you to not be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they fall to this cavern, and there's this ship, the which we later learn is called the Protostar. Mm-hmm. And on it, there's finally a universal translator. And I don't know if we... We did. We talked about the gibberish at the beginning, right? No one can talk to each other. And finally, people can talk to each other using the ship's universal translator. And we find out Rock Guy, the thing, is really Rock Girl, Rock Talk. Mm-hmm. What are the names of the rest of their, like, species? It, does it all start with rock? Like, 
Is it like rock swims? I I don't know. Rock breaks. uh, (laughs) Rock and roll. I don't know. I mean, like, how many more rock things can we do? Rock sing. Rock sway. Rock dance. Rock steady. Rock steady. (laughs) (laughs) Rock roll. Um, so apparently the species name uh, for this and it was it was stated in the um, the episode uh, a brickar a bricker a bricker a brickar I think is what how it was pronounced. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway, so then as soon as they fi- go into the ship, this fugitive zero shows up again, right? And they're like, "Hey, now we're all gonna get out of here together." Yay! Escape the ship. So now we got to find an engineer or someone with thirty-seven appendages. This ship is in pristine condition. Like, how long has this ship been down here? Because this thing is super nice and clean. Looks like like it came off the assembly line yesterday at at Utopia Felicia shipping yards. Well. Well, I mean, let's let's go back a second. Remember, like the diviner like knows about this thing, and he's like, "Don't mess, don't mess with my precious," type of thing. Yeah, well, and, we uh, didn't know that that's what he was looking for yet, did we? Mm, no, but it it's pretty, it's it was pretty soon. Yeah, 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 but you know, you look at Dreadnought, and Brother Man's like all sorts of mechanical. You got to think that there's like a vacuum and a hose or something that's kind of built in there somewhere maybe like the diviners like go vacuum my, my ship for me bud well, but they don't know go take the trash is. out dread no but dreadnought does doesn't he not he didn't no one knew i think that's how why they were like this whole mining operation was a disguise to try and find this ship and they didn't know where it was yet or or hold on hold on y'all keep bringing up star wars stuff perhaps Every night after he vacuums the protostar and takes out the trash and restocks the vending machine, diviners like erase memory done has no memory of the ship just like that. Just to keep the ruse up. No? We, Too we soon. Don't, we don't we don't see it until later, but there is another reference that I thought of when he turns into a giant cannon. He's early Megatron. He's like first generation Transformers Megatron. That's what he is. Totally. I didn't get that until you just said that, but that's so right. <laughs> he was he, I mean old Megatron was just a cannon. That's what the guy is. So yeah, it's Megatron. Oh man. Robots in disguise, man. That's right. That's right. Okay, so now now we have this whole scene where Dahl gets captured again, right? And then he gets sent up to the surface uh, where no one comes back from. And then, but it's really just a trap to lead them back to the protostar so they can find it, right? And he gets uh-huh. sprung and he leads them right back to it. And then we have to kidnap the, the, the Gwyn girl. Mm-hmm. Well, they, just before that, they, we did uh, pick up our engineer, Man Bear Pig. Oh, uh, yeah, we uh, should talk about it. <laughs> so you want to talk about Man Bear Pig? Yeah. They did pick him up. 
Yeah, he's a Tellarite. I did not... When I first saw, like, the Kazon, I was like, that's a Kazon. When I first saw this guy, I did not think Tellarite. That was so not... That was not what I thought. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I, I, I actually just real quick did a quick search. It's like, yeah, indeed, totally Tellarite. Because, yeah, I wouldn't have wouldn't really thought about thought about him as a he doesn't really have the pig nose that i'm accustomed to seeing no he's just, he, he definitely is pig-ish but not, yeah but you know not quite what we've seen but yeah the the voice actor he was in brooklyn 99 yep pimento pimento in uh brooklyn 99 my wife when we were watching it she's like is that pimento and i'm like yeah that's <laughs> I, him my wife is obsessed with that show, by the way. Obsessed. Okay. Oh, yeah, and I guess I also glossed over the fact that we got, you know, D. Bradley Baker, our character voice actor, right, who's in all the things, right? All the things. <laughs> all the including... things. Including Clone Wars and Rebels. He's and the Bad Batch. Oh, and all I the Bad Batch. the Bad Batch yet. But he's also in Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. As this little, like... Blob, Murph. <laughs> Murph the Blob. Murph the Blob. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, well, more more on D. Bradley Baker later. That's what we call a tease, y'all. <laughs> um, yeah. So big old firefight kind of thing that starts basically like with these little drone scorpion things trying to snipe there's one point where they like they like almost they're part of them poofs up and it almost looks like a shield and almost looks like the drone destroyers with the shield from star wars as well like more star wars looking things so there was there was one scene okay one scene that i was like that's straight up from star wars and like y'all are like pointing out all these star wars like references like left and right and I guess I'm just oblivious to it, but like there was one, and it was on the in the on the bridge of the protostar, where there's like this schematic, and I swore it looked like it was t- lifted straight up from the Death Star, like from the first movie. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, when like Gwen goes in and yeah, sees Gwen, the yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, great, we're gonna go, we're gonna go uh, kill the Death Star, we're gonna go blow up the Death Star, we're gonna do something. Well, I mean, De- Dell even has a paddle and braid, so, I mean, <sighs> it's only a matter of time before we get lightsabers, all right? It's only a matter of time before the Millennium Falcon decided, hey, kid, nice ship you got there. That'll be Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> a future episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so now we're in our fight where we kidnap Gwyn, like, take her as a hostage, and we're trying to fight our way out. Right, and there's a long, very long scene of them fighting. It, this thing went on for a long time. I was like, "Geez, this is like long." But, but you know what? This is where I started, like thinking of Star Trek. Though you know why? Because they're in a ship. They're doing <laughs> ship stuff. Like he, oh, I'm trying to put the power cell in for the shields. I just can't reach. Like uh, you know, like first contact. You know they're trying to detach, detach the the um, deflector dish. 
deflector dish, and they oh, it gets stopped, and oh no, he's a boar. Gosh, I gotta shoot him now. And then it's the same thing. They're just doing ship stuff. It's like this is when it started feeling more trekky to me. It's like, oh, how do I make the weapons work? Oh, I'm navigating. Oh, this is really gonna be cool or really bad, you know that. Yeah, and I know we we had heard in like the trailers. The fire the torpedoes, like, just hit the pew 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 button. Just hit them all until one of them goes pew pew pew. Like, I know we saw that in the trailers, but that was still funny. It's like seeing it in the actual episode. Yeah. Right? Just push them all until pew 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 pew. That's totally like, that's like, 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 Anytime I play fighting games, I'm just a button masher in like yeah. you know Street Fighter, Tekken, or Super Smash Brothers or any of that. I just mash buttons. So to me, that's like totally like just mash buttons on the console until you get it to do what you want. That's how I still play Street Fighter <laughs> and Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> Once I find a combo I like, it's the same combo every time. Whether you block it or not, it's the same one. Oh man, yeah. So they're they're trying to figure out like they're they're, they're button mashing, like they're trying to figure out all the things. And um, this shield thing, man. Okay, like I got to talk about this. So it's this little power cell thing, which looks like the same thing that Rocket Raccoon stole from Gar- in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, by the way, and. How on God's green earth does Dal stay on the ship? Like, how does, one, how does he hold on to the thing, let alone stay on the ship when it's doing all these, like, tumbly-tastic things? Because the plot demands that he stay on the ship. Why are the power cells located on the outside? Of the ship? See, <laughs> see, David gets it. David gets it. I was wondering the same thing. Well, how, how is that accessible <laughs> yeah, to an engineer? That seems like a major, major engineering flaw. I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, it's it sounds like somebody from from Chevy, from GM, decided to come up with a spaceship. Hey, you know it'd be really cool if we put about twenty thousand pounds of torque in this thing, so it can tow everything. But you know, we should probably put them shield generators on the outside. <laughs> Which is reason 437 why I will never buy a GM product. It's a, hey, it's, it's, you, it's lived, like, you lived in Grand Blanc Flint. You can't say that. No, and that's reason number one I will never buy a GM product is because I live there. <laughs> it, 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 did, it, it lacked some of the believability, but... I mean, also thinking about like the network that this is airing on and the audience that it is supposedly supposed to be for. But yeah, he he's like clinging on to like little ledges and, and you clinging know, on, fi- really testing that finger strength. And, well, and I everything. mean, is this and, is that any worse of a design flaw than the Discovery TARDIS? that we saw at the end where it's just like giant open space in the ship where the turbo lift things can fly through like come on detachable nacelles yeah whatever it's fine oh uh, yeah okay 
So this I don't is know, the, you, you, there's another sciencey question though about the shields. Now that you bring it up, because when they're finally able to get the shields up, so Dell's in the shield. See, this is the part I wanted to talk about Grievous too. This is outside of the shield. Yep. Why is there know. a bubble? Like I just. Well, I mean, gra granted, like in some of the displays, you saw a bubble, of course, but you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed a little. It seemed weird to me for whatever reason. I, I had like a little bit of a chuckle when uh, when the shields finally come up and um, and Mister Scorpion Man, Mister uh, Mister Dreadnought, he bounces off of the shield, and Dal's just like chilling there. And uh, what was it? Um, Pog is like, I guess we should let him in now. <laughs> and uh, and like the shield's still up. I was just waiting for him for Dal to be like, uh, uh, uh. like, because like the shield's up, like he can't move. Like he's on the outside. Like, uh, uh, uh. let me out, let me out. That's that's what I was just expecting. But no, he just waltzes right over to the hatch while the ship is still a going without any issues. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Don't think about it's it. It's fine. Much. It's cartoon logic. <laughs> I'd hate to see engineering on the ship. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Lord. Where's the warp core? Uh, it's, uh... uh that yeah, way. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's somewhere outside. It'll, it's, it's like an outhouse, you know? It's, it's just floating out somewhere. It's great. So okay. they, they they finally escape. Finally so that they they escape, they get out outside the atmosphere of this asteroid penal colony something or another. And where to next? And good old Dal hasn't thought that far. And <laughs> no, listen, I love that joke though. Wow. It's a lot more stars out here. A lot of stars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that was funny. And um, and then of course, probably one of the best moments of the episode, in my opinion. Um, good old talk rock, rock talk, talk rock, talking rock, the thing, rock talk. <laughs> good old rock talk. Says the the word of the day, which is help. <laughs> and Janeway pops up. And. Man, was it good to see Janeway. I just gotta say, that was so good to see Janeway. I mean, listen, you know, May 20, May 2001, right? May 2001 was the last time we saw Janeway proper, right? I mean, I, we saw her for 30 seconds in mm -hmm. Nemesis, but <clears throat> man, I love, she like totally uneven, un, not, like consistently written character like I think we all accept yeah. that right <laughs> like yeah. there was a lot of inconsistency with this character but god damn if I don't love Captain Janeway and when I heard that Kate Mulgrew was coming you know we've seen we've seen Kate Mulgrew since then I mean most com on Orange is the New Black we've seen her but like Warehouse 13 I like oh I haven't show. seen Warehouse 13 it's a good show. But, like, 
just when I first heard Kate Mulgrew was coming back, like I, you know, I was I've been waiting for this moment for over a year, and we've seen the little trailers of her, the little clips of her talking, but it's not the same as actually seeing it in an episode. And I didn't. What was it? It was not even thirty seconds in this episode, was it? I mean, that was maybe. about it. Yeah. But like, yeah. goddamn, if I didn't love that moment, like getting Captain Janeway back in my life and I know she hasn't gone anywhere because I still she's still there in in you know Netflix land on the internet right and I can still right. watch her anytime I want but it feels like she's back and I love I love Captain Janeway well I, I, I kind of hope they, they sort of do like well what they did with the doctor in, in Voyager where it almost becomes sort of like its own little semi-sentient being, you know, something that you can interact. I, I, I hope that they don't do just like, I am a training hologram. Please state the nature of your, you know, whatever. I, I, I hope it, like, incorporates some, like, learning or personality or something like that. Because if they don't, I would almost feel like it, it it's almost a, a little bit of a waste. Yeah, that would be Agreed. a mistake if it was just like, you know, some monotonous training program. Agreed. That would be a big mistake. I mean, like, the thing is, I mean, her character is um, listed as the ship's emergency training holographic advisor. So, I mean, we'll see, I guess. Please state the nature of your training emergency. <laughs> well, is that any worse than please state the nature of your hospitality emergency from all the Rios? Like, <laughs> or like, I'm your navigational like uh, uh, hologram. Is, was he the, the the there was the Scottish one? There was the the drunk one. <laughs> The, the the navigation was Irish, the mm-hmm. engineer was Scottish, yeah. The like, the tactical yeah, was those, Hispanic. It was the Hispa- yeah, those was drunk good. Hispanic one. Oh no 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 no. The, the hospitality was American. <laughs> yeah, the doctor's British. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, fun Rios holograms. <laughs> are those in the book, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Are they? Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you haven't listened to Rogue Elements, just dropped not too long ago. Go check it out. It'd be great. Okay, and then I, I, have, I have just one more thing to say as we, like, finish this episode. Was was this, like, our, like, intro title, like, at the end of the episode? Because we had the teaser, and then it just showed up on the screen, like, Star Trek Prodigy, and then went into the more scenes. But then we get your traditional, like, opening with, like, the cast credits, like, at the end of the episode. Like, is that, like, that, did that strike anybody as weird? A little bit, but, I mean, I've seen it before, so, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of just chalked it up to, um, they want to introduce all the characters, including the character of the Protostar, and I think that 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 end sequence has like a better chance of like showing up at the beginning uh, moving forward so I didn't really think too much of it now if it ends up always being at the end that's just going to be that's going to be weird and going to take some getting used to but it is what it is to me 
that. I, I understand what you're saying. You want to like keep the reveal of the proto star, right? Mm-hmm. You want to keep that not a secret because we've seen it before, but some sort of secret thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. And then we have this episode that just basically ends with uh, the diviner out of his back to tank with um, his um, matrix machine um, wires connected to his back where he's about to get unplugged from the matrix saying, um, get me my ship in a very stern, angry voice. And then, yeah, more than the credits and stuff. Um, There were, there was like, um, there was one other scene. I, I said like there were like some scenes that like really stood out to me. One of which was um, the protostar when it like gets fired up and it's going, coming through the waterfall. I loved that scene and the music that went with it. Like the 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 score for most. I, I want to say like 85 to 90% of this episode worked for me. Um, there were a couple times where the music just took me out. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but before I do, like, were there any, I know we've kind of been like ripping on it, like and comparing it to other stuff, just having some fun with it. But um, were there like any like favorite scenes, favorite moments that kind of stood out to either of y'all from, from this opening episode? Yes, yeah, so for me, um, I, I, like this episode, it mostly worked. In, in a sense, I, I feel like this episode was sort of like the opening two-parter of Discovery Season 1, where this is not really what the show is about, but we have to do this episode to just introduce our characters and get our setup, and then like the third episode of Discovery, right, the context is for King, was really, like, the start episode. And and I kind of got that feeling here of, like, this show is not really going to be like this episode, but we just needed to do this, get our setup, and now we're going to, like, go and do what the show is really about. So, for the most part, this episode did work for me. I didn't love it. Um... Yeah, I've been bagging on it. It felt more like Star Wars than Star Trek, right? But what I really like is that <clears throat> there was a scene, we kind of glossed over it, when when Dahl is, like, in prison after he's tried his escape, and, like, telepathically he hears this other prisoner and says, all the other prisoners here are different from you because they've all lost hope and you still have hope. And, like, Star Trek is supposed to be about, like, having hope for the future and and one thing that i've always really liked about star trek is that you know it's okay to dream and like this kid is he hasn't been broken he still has a dream and and i feel like there's this gonna be this wonder and fascination from all of our characters and it's gonna have like a hopeful tone to it whereas some of this new Trek has not had that hopeful tone. Agreed. And like, also the ending sets up this idea of adventure. Mm-hmm. Right? Something I love about Star Trek is the adventure of it. And they're like, where do we go? 
uh, there's a lot more stars out here than I thought. <laughs> and so, like, there's all these adventures we can go on, and everything is going to be new and exciting for these people, for these, for our crew here. They're all these young people. And I, that really stood out to me, that feeling. And, like, Discovery, I feel like, tried to do that at the end of season three. They were like, let's fly, let's go out there, let's see what's out there. But then all the trailers make it seem like we're just going to do the exact same thing it's done before. And so that adventure, that sense of adventure is lost. But I, I like the setup. I don't love this episode, but I like the setup of where it's taking us. Sure. What about you, David? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a fine setup. And I mean, I, I don't, I didn't particularly care for, for the very start of the episode, just mainly because it felt like I was having deja vu. I've, I've seen it before in, in Star, Star Wars. It doesn't mean that I, I, you know, I don't like the characters, I don't like the potential premise, because there, there's a lot going on here, and I'm also a Monster of the Week kind of guy. I, I like shows that don't have to all be interconnected to one central line, but you always have the sort of like reminder periodically every six weeks or whatever that oh yeah you remember the Romulans and we have to go deal with them or whatever in this case we'll have you know back to Bob and and you know Megatron hot on their tail next week on um, but I think that the I don't see a lot of kids programming that focuses enough on exploration positivity and hope everything nowadays is so focused on hyperactivity and distraction it seems like and I want to seem like an old fogey or whatever but it, it kind of feels that way whereas like when I was a kid uh, we didn't really have much in the way of TV because we didn't pay for it I mean you had rabbit ears and whatever and you picked up PBS or something and watched like, you know, Bob Ross paint or something like that. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that, you know, whereas in the you know, late 60s and 70s there was such a uh, race to space and this idea of exploration and then like in the 90s, you know, space camp and, and the, again, yeah. these, these, these pursuits yeah. of exploration. And I feel like we've lost that. And, and even in a small way, if, if these younger characters are out there, because it, it's very clear from this episode they are, they are hungry to, to explore. And if that can be the premise of the show, that they are more, they're exploring and keeping some optimism, I think it will go over very well, at least for me. Because like Eric said, it would be such a departure from everything that we've seen. Because even Lower Decks, which is not appropriate for children... No, it's not. ...is more about the, the, the fighting against monotony of, of a day-to-day -day that kind of sucks. It, it always sort of seems like it's like, well, this sucks, that sucks, and it, it's, it's not very optimistic, and it's it's written more for adults in some weird little animated fashion. And then, oh boy, Discovery. <laughs> wow, can they do an arc forever and ever? Uh, you know, sometimes really with little, 
well, they try, <laughs> sometimes with little payoff. But, you know, that show, I feel, would work so much better if we just let them do a Monster of the Week and had their happy family ship where we change captains every season or whatever. So I, I, I do have to say this, this is, was a surprisingly optimistic start to a show for me where I've been, you know, a little bit critical of a lot of the other stuff that we've, we've, uh, we've seen so far. And, and hopefully that does reflect in our ratings in future episodes. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, and we'll, and we'll get to like the evaluation piece here in just a second. Um, but y'all like I, I've, I've said for a while that, um, I've been looking forward to this because this will be the first, and this has been the first, of the new Star Trek, of, of the Kurtzman era that I can finally watch with my family. And it was such an amazing night. Um, I'm going to get like a little sappy, so just like give me a little, give me a little room on this one. Like I was making dinner, and um, like y'all in Listenerland, you can't see this like while we're recording, but... Um, I'm wearing a Star Trek Prodigy t-shirt and I got like one for me and one for my daughter. Um, and I'd put mine on and, and while I'm cooking dinner and uh, my daughter comes up to me, she's like, are you, are you wearing that? Like, are, are, are we wearing the same shirt? And I'm like, yeah, pumpkin. Like, yeah, we're wearing the same shirt. And she like, just, just like squeed at like the top of her lungs. Like I love my daddy. Like she was just like so excited that we were like twinning and stuff. And then um, I pulled her aside before we, we sat down to watch as a family, watch this episode as a family. I was like, kiddo, I want you to know, like, this is really important to me. Like, I have been wanting to watch and share, not just watch, but I've been wanting to share a Star Trek show with you for a while. And now we get to, and she's like, daddy, can I give you um, a big hug right now? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So my daughter was just like so excited and her, like watching her watch this show was just amazing like just like hearing her gasp and just have a good old time um just just made my daddy heart like so incredibly happy and i know that y'all have like some similar family stories from like you know eric watching tos like with your dad and i think david you'd mentioned like that you might have watched um, i think tng there towards the end with your family and maybe some other stuff um as a kid I never got that experience. So like I'm doing this in reverse, but with my child. Um, so we can rag on it all we want. Um, I, I mean, I just, I absolutely loved it. And, um, I told her like, she looked at me, she's like, is that it? And I'm like for tonight, but we get to watch it again together next week. And she just like completely lit up. So, um, really exciting. And, um, I'm going to put in something here in just a second for, um, all the listeners to kind of hear, some of her response to um, to this episode, so uh, we'll we'll hear that in just a second. Um, but I mean, I, I really liked it. the the other The other part that uh, I was kind of talking about for a second was, um, so Michael Gaetano is the one that scored this, and um, he also had uh, like a mentee of sorts that worked on like a lot of the musical composition of this episode and I'm, I'm assuming by extension the series as a whole and I could hear a lot of the Michael Gaetano stuff 
coming up. And it just, to me, there were times where it sounded too much like Star Trek 2009. Um, like I was, That was just coming through too much for me with like some of the beats of the music, uh, more so than it just being like its own thing. And um, I was wanting just something a little different. Um, as soon as like it came on, I'm like, this sounds like, this sounds like I had to know. And then like the credits roll and like, without ever even having looked and sure enough, his name pops up. So, um, like that, that was the main thing. Um, there were just a couple, like there was like a part of like the escape scene, I think where like the music was going. And if you listen to, um, like uh what is it like the enterprise kind of theme in 2009 star trek uh dun, 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 dun. like where the ship is like kind of like coming up out of the clouds or it's like um making like its heroic uh appearance or whatever in space it just seemed a really really close to me now i love michael guy you know um like one of my favorite uh, recent soundtracks. One of my favorite recent film scores that he's done is actually Rogue One. Uh, whenever he took it over from John Williams, did a phenomenal job. So I have, I have no issues with the dude. Um, he, he's a great composer. Does great stuff. Um, there was just times it just wasn't for me, and that's okay. So I'm kind of going on a diatribe, but y'all, y'all had to have known the music thing was going to come up at some point with this show. So anyway, well, let's, um, let's go ahead and, and just do our, let's do some Delta and let's do, um, our number thing. So, um, Eric, why don't you get us kicked off with the Delta? And for anyone that is tuning in for the very first time, the Delta, we look at the different divisions of Star Trek where, um, to see how well they were represented, um, by assigning like, yes, this gets a full command where we're looking at like leadership, leadership theory, just command decisions in general, science, kind of self-explanatory, and um, engineering operations, so like technobabble um, and logistics and things of that nature kind of showing up well or not well, whatever it might be. So go ahead, Eric. I mean, there's a scene when, like, they're all working on the ship, and we go, they just talk to Dahl, and it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm here for morale, right? Keep morale up. And then... He comes back later after they, you know, are escaping. He comes back onto the bridge like, Captain on deck. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, like, I don't see leadership command here, really. I mean, not yet, anyway. Maybe the uh, the hope for the show is that Dahl will grow into, like, a good leader. I'm hoping that's the case because, you know, Star Trek Discovery is seriously lacking good command, right? We've all had our issues with those, with Saru and Michael Burnham and the bizarre putting an ensign to Lee as the first officer, whatever. We've talked mm-hmm. about that, right? I, You know how I feel about Captain Carol Freeman, right? We've been lacking in some, <laughs> some leadership. So hopefully we're going to get like a good leader here, but I don't, I don't see it yet. There is some engineering going on, right? We got our Telluride engineer who's fixing the ship. I don't know how big this ship is. Like, I know Voyager was a relatively small ship in comparison to all of the other ships that we had. 
I don't know how big this ship is. I mean, can this one person be the engineer of the entire ship? Like, like in Firefly, right? The Jewel State's character was the one engineer for that entire ship. I, Kaylee, right? This guy, what? Kaylee, right? Well, Jewel State's the actress. I don't remember what her character's name is. I'm more interested in the actress. But okay. Like, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Um, you don't say. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> no, she, like, I mean, okay, whatever. Um, so, like, can this guy be the engineer for the entire ship? So there is some engineering going on here, and I'll, I'll give him credit. Like, I'll give him the full engineering delta for that. Um, I, I hope we're going to get some science. This episode was low on the science heavy on the pew 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 right so hopefully we'll get some science as we do some adventure and exploration but i don't see it yet so i feel like i i'll I'll give the full engineering but i'm gonna hold judgment on the others okay fair enough how about you david yeah i mean kind of similar obviously the uh, i think it's worthy of the engineering just again we don't know how long the ship's been sitting and seem to be able to fire it up pretty with what, what did he call it? A per, uh, percussive, percussive engineering, mm-hmm. which was fun. <laughs> but, you know, he was also working on that, uh, you know, whatever, whatever vehicle that, you know, Dell tried to escape in. So he, he's, he, he conceivably knows what he's doing. Um, although the engineering of the ship is in question. But yeah, I mean, as far as leadership, I mean, Dell is. Um, did either of you watch Resistance? Star no. Wars Resistance. No. Okay, it, it's fine. You don't probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> it's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, it, it, it was. Here's the thing. Me, when me and my brother watched it, we discovered that his kid loved it, and we were like, eh. so it's definitely like a kid's show. Well, the main character, I don't think they ever gave enough conflict to really show him as a uh, as somebody you can latch on to. There, there was no sentimentality about the character. He's just kind of a dork, for lack of more eloquent words. But in this one, I think Dell has enough, or could have enough, like layers to him to where he might eventually get into that command or we might even see Gwen step up potentially as well but I don't I don't really feel that there's a delta for that or for science there wasn't really anything sciencey about anything we did here so hopefully they pick it up it'd be nice to see some science in uh, in Star Trek again okay I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna push back a little bit on the on the command thing um there's a scene I mean it's it's brief but I see stuff there where um, they're all huddled around like one of the um, more forward consoles on the bridge and um, they're trying to game plan like what to do and Dal's telling um, everyone like hey we need we need um, um, the ship up um, like he's telling um, Pog right like the Tellarite like we need we need this up and running by the end of the day and he had already said it like outside but like, hey, we need you to do this. You need to come with me, type of thing. Um, uh, it's just before like all the escape stuff takes place. So 
I see him delegating. Um, like there's there's a pretty good delegation scene that's taking place. So like I mean it's very minor leadership, but I definitely I, I smell it. I, I see it um, taking place. So for me it's it's at least getting some recognition of of yeah there's there's some command stuff that's in play. Of course there's there's engineering. Um, science not so much. So I'm, I'm with you guys on all that. Um, but but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna nod my head to the to the command portion. So seeing seeing some leadership for once, um, however minor. So let's let's roll right into uh, let's roll right into the rating. Okay, I'll go first again. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this first episode immensely more than I enjoyed the first episode of Lower Decks. Right? I think we've all heard how much I hate the first episode of Lower Decks. <laughs> Which first episode of Lower Decks, Eric? Uh, second Contact. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this episode more than I enjoyed the first two-part episode of Discovery as well. Battle of the Binary Stars and Vulcan Hello. I think I mm-hmm. got those episodes switched, right? Vulcan Hello, Battle of the Binary Stars. Um, I enjoyed it. I... I as much as I've criticized, oh, it felt more like Star Wars than Star Trek. As I said, I feel like this was just a necessary episode to get us into the premise, and I think it sets it up very well. Um, is it great? No. Did I enjoy it? Yes, absolutely, I enjoyed it. Um, so I, I'm not gonna be too high, but I'm not gonna be low on it. I, I feel like I just want to give it a seven and like put it at a solid seven and say good setup not great but i really want to see where it's going to go from here cool yeah um i don't i don't think i don't think this is going to have any right to be compared to uh lower decks because lower decks kind a show uh but <laughs> it, it, it does set up uh, as i already said it does set up something that i think could be really interesting far more interesting than anything that i've seen out of modern track at least on paramount or whatever you want to call it um so i i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, th- I think uh i think for the first time in a while, I've actually sort of seen characters that feel like they have personality uh, to them, which is odd in an animated show. Um, and it seems like even the, the jokes are funny. Because we, we've, we've been talking a lot about how the jokes just aren't funny. And it's like, are we just too old mm. or whatever to get it? Yeah. It's like, well, no, I just... I don't think that the jokes are funny. It's it's like it's kind of like hearing Tim Allen go ho ho ho, you know, for the fiftieth time. It's like, well, it's, it, it wasn't very funny in the first place. It's not funny now either. Um, so I, I think, as far as a rating, I, I would again, kind of like Eric, it's, it's not the it's not the best overall episode, but I I, I would bump it just 
I'd bump it higher, strictly speaking, for the optimism and uh, a really nice sort of animated style as well. It seems like they they really put uh, a lot of work into that, which which I can certainly appreciate. And even with kind of the nitpicky stuff, I, I would probably be like maybe at like a seven six. Okay. So. I loved the I love the animation and of of this, um, and this just this episode just felt like such a breath of fresh air to me. Um, this felt like um, as much as as you know we've ragged y'all ragged on on this um, tonight about like you know Star Trek versus Star Wars and like the parallels and and things like that. Um, I just I just enjoyed the mess out of it. it. Like this just was just so refreshing. It it felt like Star Trek for like the first time in a long time for me, um, as as an old guy. And I think part of how I'm gonna rate it has to do with like being able to like have my kiddo in my lap and watch it and actually enjoy it together. Like actually see my daughter smiling, laughing, ooing, eyeing, different points of, of this forty-five minute um, story. So, um, does is there going to be more? Of course, there's going to be more. Um, Where there's some issues, sure. I pointed out like music is one. Like I'm gonna probably be like music is the thing I'm gonna focus on the most with any any episode that we ever cover. Um, including the story, of course, but like I'm the music guy, like I got to do that. Um, so for me, because it was so refreshing, I feel like I've been like in a, a desert, like a desert crossing. Um, I'm going with, um, I'm going with an eight on this one. I just really like this episode. So, um, so there we go. So I mean, we're we're kind of all in the same area, ish for the most part. Um, Eric, have you looked at what um, what IMDb is? Yeah. So this episode right now has a with seventy one votes. The episode itself has a seven point nine out of ten. Okay. Seventy one votes. But if you go to like the overall series after one episode, it has a six point one. Interesting. So like. I guess there are people rating the episode who are rating the episode. They're more high on the episode, but then people who are just rating the series after one episode are lower on it. Interesting. I don't know how you can go and just give a series a rating after one episode. If you want to go and give the episode <laughs> a rating, that's fine. But why? How can you rate the series on one episode? Huh. Yeah, right? I just did some quick math. You'll be proud of me, Eric. Just some quick math based on our three scores. That's a, uh, between us three, that's a seven and a half rating, an average rating for this episode. So, I mean, we're not too far off from what um, your beloved IMDb would rate it. It's not beloved, but it's just a quick way to get, (laughs) like, the opinion of people on the street. Right. Or random people on the internet. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and cut real quick to um, my daughter's take 
on um, just some of her thoughts, some of her her take on this um, episode, this first um, story. So here we go. Elena, what do you think of the show? Um, it was good as fuck. Did you have a favorite character on the show? Um, yes. Who was your favorite character? Um, it's Rock Talk. <laughs> Rock Talk is so funny. <laughs> when somebody t- says Rock Talk, it makes me laugh. <laughs> Rock Talk. <laughs> Rock Talk. Before we get out of here, I did do a Twitter poll. So let's go to um, do a little Twitter action and, and talk about that for a second. This is uh, this is very timely with um, with this particular episode. So I posted this, and here and here was the uh, the prompt for it. Uh, David might have seen this. I don't know. Uh, Eric definitely didn't see it. Nope. Um, nope. <laughs> the exceeding so here's here it is the exceedingly talented um, D Bradley Baker will be in um, Star Trek Prodigy as Murph. He is well known for voicing the clone troopers and the Bad Batch in Star Wars. He's also well known for his creature voices. Which of the ones below is your favorite? And the choices were Olmec, Appa, Perry the Platypus, or Naga. Okay, so who's Olmec? Olmec is the talking statue thing from the old Nickelodeon show Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, that was him? That was him, yeah. Okay, and, and what, else, what else were they? Appa, Appa from okay, yeah, Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Perry the Platypus from the um, Disney show Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, Naga from Legend of Korra. Okay. So, um, this is your, your chance to vote, Eric. Which one would you have chosen? Had you um, gotten on the Twitter? Well, I mean, yip yip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got to vote for Appa. All right. How about you, David? Man. Can you put some like better ones on here, Chase? Like you could put like anybody who voices. Like, doesn't he do the voice of Chopper as well? I could have been some other stuff on here. It's fine. Um. <laughs> Well, is he the voice of Chopper as well? No, Dave Filoni's the voice of Chopper. Oh, is he? Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? I I got to for nostalgia's sake, I got to give it to Lil Mac. I like that. I like that particular mm-hmm. choice there. That's what I'm going okay. for. Okay. All right. So, um looking at this, so um so I ran the, so I ran this on on Twitter. And uh, so in third place, it was tied. So by the way, we had a grand total of um, seven votes on this poll. <laughs> so I mean, we had, a, we had a large, large sample size on this one, y'all. Um, so in third place, it was tied with 14.3% of the vote was uh, for Naga and Perry the Platypus. In um, in coming in in second place was Appa with 28.6% of the vote. And uh, finally, good old Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. All those 90 kids, 90s kids are rejoicing right now. 
Olmec got 42.9% of the vote, y'all. 42.9%. There we go. Which is like three people. Four people, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Doing some quick math. But let's let's make things interesting, okay? So I also ran this in the Facebook group. So let's see how much different. I don't think I get percentage breakdowns. I just get number breakdowns, but that's fine too. Looking at good old face space. If you're not part of our group, what's wrong with you? Go join our group. Looking at this, um, same question, right? Same choices and everything like that. Um, no one voted for Naga. No one voted for the polar bear for crying out loud. No one. So last place was Naga. Um, yeah, no love for, for Cora. Um, and then we had one vote apiece for Olmec and Appa, and we got three votes for Perry the Platypus. How about that, huh? So, who knows? Like, it's either Perry the Platypus or it's Olmec, depending on what floats your boat, I guess. Um, anyway, we'll have another, we'll do another poll um, soon. Uh, for for an upcoming episode, maybe we'll have more than seven people. Um, follow us on Twitter so you can participate, right? So you get little dings or alerts, whatever, for our polls. Please participate in these things. Um, seriously, though, like I want to know what it is about getting like either nine hundred votes, three hundred something votes, versus seven votes. Like, <laughs> good grief, man! Come on now. Nope. Yeah, neither do I. I don't know either. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll we'll call it a day. We'll we'll leave it alone. Um, thank you all so very much for um, for joining in as we're getting started. Right with with good old Prodigy. Things are gonna get nuts, man. I'm just saying things are gonna get nuts when Discovery comes around. We're gonna be back in like the '90s time frame of Star Trek when things were going on at the same time and. Good grief. I mean, we're doing these like hour, hour and a half long discussions for like well, one this, episode. I think this was going to be a supersized episode because it's a, the double premiere. It's the premiere and a double episode. It's I a double episode, can, double premiere. We can get these things to, to be shorter in, in the future. That's what Eric is hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping they won't all <laughs> like, be please. this supersized if we only have... 22 minutes of, of content to talk about. Yeah, but then Discovery is going to come around and we got to decide, like, are we going to do it as one episode? We're going to split them up. See, that's what we got to decide. But not today. Not today. Not today. All right, everyone. Well, gents, thank you so much for joining me um, and talking about this stuff. Everyone, what'd y'all think of this episode? Do you agree with our ratings, with our sevens or eights or whatevers? Did you rate it higher? Did you rate it lower? Do you have no idea what we're talking about? That's cool, too. We'd love to hear um, your opinions, your reactions to this episode. If you're a parent, was this the first time you got to, to actually enjoy some Star Trek with your kiddo? Want to hear about it. Got to hear about that stuff, man. Just got to. Star Trek, I think, is supposed to be enjoyed with families. Um, so, anyways, check us out, trtupod.com. Check out our Hailing Frequencies page. You can learn how to connect with us there. Learn more about the show as well. You can also uh, find out ways to support either by uh, following us on the different platforms like 
Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever floats your boat. Go follow us. Go, in fact, grab your friend's phone, you know, and just subscribe to our show on their phone. They don't know, but we do. It's okay. Just go do it. That way they automatically get the download and they're like, hey, what's the Star Trek show? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. See, that's how you support the show. That or on Patreon, uh, whatever floats your boat. Uh, if you want to <laughs> email us directly, you can do that, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit. And um, if you don't, well, we're going to hot wheel you up on out of here because you were just taking too dang long and like all the gravity stuff got messed up just like in the show um other than that if you do want to mail us something like murph you know like a little gelatinous blob thing that falls down and fires the pew pews get it to us we'd love it p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone as we leave here today may you always 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 remember to boldly go and make it so